You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Thursday episode of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Brian Brown, your co-host here on Locked On Utes. We have a very exciting show for you today. The one, the only, the magnificent, the wonderful, the majestic, Michelle Bodkin joins me. We talk a lot of gymnastics here on today's episode. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into it. Michelle Bodkin of UteZone.com. Now joining us here today on the Locked On Youth Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, the wonderful, the amazing, the tremendous, the knowledgeable, the queen of the Youth Report, the one, the only Michelle Bodkin. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm good, man. After an intro like that, I'm like ready to go run a marathon and I don't run. So <laughs> $5 intros. That's what we're all about. Five star ratings, $5 intros. Whatever we can do to get things going, to pump people up, that's 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 the joy of being locked on the youths. You know, it's, it's oh. bringing joy to people's life through the youths. Eight years straight now. Has it really been eight years? It's been eight years for me. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. So yeah. 2013 was when you kind of officially started covering the team then? Yes. Man, that's crazy. Time has flown. We're, we're pushing on a decade. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, and that's the thing about it is I was thinking the other day about like 2008 and the sugar bowl. And it's hard to believe that that's already like 13 years old. Like there are right. people like recruits coming up now had no idea that that was even going on or a thing. For sure. Yeah, no, it's absolutely crazy. It's, it's funny talking to some of these guys and, you know, half the time, I mean, there, there's this like level of not being totally aware. Like I, I know a lot of them think that like, I'm still their age or close to maybe a little bit older, but close to, and it's just, it's the funniest thing. Um, and I mean, you know, being like 10 plus year, you know, 10, 13 years older than the, the guys, the, the kids that are competing now, like, I mean, isn't really in the grand scheme of things, a huge age difference, but it's still like sizable at the same time. So it's, it's, it's funny. It's, and it's flown by too. Cause when I started, I was the same age as everybody. Um, I was just a weirdo because I graduated college a little bit early. So I believe that people call that smart. I, I will have to double check <laughs> with research on that one, but I think that's the, uh, lots of people go to school for seven years. They're called doctors. And that is the opposite of what you did, which was much smarter. Um, yeah, well, I mean, yes and no, I would probably prefer the doctor paycheck, but it also would have come with extra debt. So yeah, yeah. yeah and that and you'd have to be a doctor and who wants to be a doctor really? I mean, I don't do well with blood and guts, so <laughs> It probably would be really rough for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think we want to hand you the bones off for the knee replacements then. No, no. 
<laughs> yeah, it's when you get when you get on the flip side of like I think thirty was kind of the age for me where it started okay. to feel like you were a lot older than the people that were underneath you. And they mm-hmm. kind of look at it like, oh, yeah, we still listen to the same music. You, you don't look that much older than me. But mm-hmm. I think you really feel it because there are those references that you make that they have no idea about. And you're just like, oh, you don't know what Seinfeld is because you've never seen an episode live. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. It's it's the little references. Uh, and then there, there are a lot of times now where I sit there and I go, wait, you did what? And you were okay with that? <laughs> yeah mom will shut her mouth and not say anything yeah yeah that's the really hard one where you're like talking to them and they're telling you a story about what they did over the weekend you're just like is that safe are you sure where was your guardian exactly exactly well I've, i've been wanting to have you on for a while jake and i both have talked about this where we wanted to have you come on because while we can talk about gymnastics, we don't really know gymnastics. And I think you know pretty well that I have a uh, very strong aversion to gymnastics Twitter and all the shenanigans that go on there. But kind of give me a recap of, of what you saw of the gymnastics team this season. Obviously, the expectation for the program is, is to be a national championship contender. They finished third this year while posting one of their best scores ever in a match uh, for the season, I should say. How did you feel like the season went for the team and did you think that they met expectations or did they maybe fall a little bit short? It's one of those things where you sit there and you think about everything these athletes have gone through over the past year with COVID. And on one hand, because they are such a storied program, like maybe the expectations are super high, but then on the other hand, you're like, well, this COVID thing's just been really, really, really bizarre for everyone involved. And so is it really fair to have super high expectations of anyone? You know, just the fact that they're able to compete week in and week out and maintain good grades is, is in my opinion, a miracle in and of itself. But I would say they definitely met expectations as, you know, I watched them all throughout the season and as I kind of kept track of other uh, the other top teams and the scores that they were posting, Utah was hands down the most consistent team throughout the season. They Their highs were not ever crazy high. Their lows were never crazy low. You know, they, they pretty much were the same team week in and week out. And some of these other teams – you know, in the grand scheme of things, like they, they can't really say that, you know, that I think, I think even Michigan and, and not trying to take anything away from them because they were amazing and they, they did what they need to do in the moment. But there was like a period where they were having a hard time getting the scores. And then all of a sudden they turned on and peaked at the right time. Uh, and so in that way, gymnastics is kind of weird because it can work out that way. Uh, you know, teams may not click or, or fully get it, but then, you know, the last couple of meets, they, they can score really high scores and it kind of elevates their level and their status. So, I you know, Utah wasn't able to quite do that, but – but you have to feel good about the fact that they weren't making 
horrendous mistakes every week. Like, you know, they'd have a hiccup here and there, but it it wasn't like what some teams were facing. And on top of it, and they brought up this point, they didn't have any issues with COVID. They, They didn't have to cancel any meets. They stayed clean the entire season. They were able to compete a full team every meet. And there are a lot of teams that couldn't say that either. That is something that I really do think be sort of buried in terms of recognition for the team. I believe it was Sydney that, that tweeted out that they didn't have a single positive test. And, and like you said, no cancellations, didn't have to miss anything like that. So that really deserves a lot of credit. And I think there is a lot to be said about how bizarre things have been with COVID. And a lot of that, I, I, we feel it, I think, reporting on the teams because Traditionally, where they're interacting with them and able to have these kind of off-the-record conversations and get a little bit of a feel of what the mood is and, and everything like that, and it's all through video conferencing now, and it just it's very, very different. I, I you know, uh, I, th- I think Steve does a really good job. Steve Bartle, obviously, of Ute Zone, of of still being able to get information, but I think even Steve really kind of struggled through the season as well because there's a different kind of energy that you get from interacting with the athletes that really was lost this year. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's one of those things. And like, I've talked about it before, you know, my, my major, what I graduated in from college is psychology. And, and now, you know, any, anybody that's listening to this is never going to want to talk to me again, but it, you know, on, on one hand, it's like such a strange transition to go into reporting and telling stories and interviewing people. But on the other hand, it makes so much sense because it's not always about what a person says, but it's what they do when they're saying what they're saying. And so it, it's really weird not being able to have those like little one-on-one conversations or, or even to just be standing around after a practice and kind of observing body language and how people are interacting with each other. And I know a couple of years ago, I think it was before the 2018 season, football season, Yumi and Bartle were talking with Yogi Roth and that was like his big like suggestion is, you know, whenever you have the opportunity, you know, take a look at what's happening on the sidelines and don't necessarily pay attention to what's going on on the field because those little small interactions that a lot of people miss or take for granted oftentimes tell the whole story of what's going on in a locker room or with a team or with a coaching staff. And it's so true. You know, there, there have been things that I know I've picked up on that the fan base maybe hasn't picked up on or other reporters haven't picked up on. I've been watching sidelines and little interactions for years. It's true. And so to be kind of cut out of that is very odd. It's very bizarre to not have those little interactions and not be able to kind of get a feel for how people are really feeling on an individual basis. Yeah. And I think, especially with this, this gymnastics squad, that's super relatable because in years past, the girls have had such a, I think a strong fellowship amongst one another. Mm-hmm. And this, this team, I think the structure of it was, was a little bit different. It seems like it was more tilted towards the newcomers as opposed to being like a senior laden team or, or, or mm-hmm. you know, heavy with leadership. And so we never really got a chance to see how that dynamic all unfolded. It seemed like they were, together and, and, you know, competing well with one another. But I think, especially with gymnastics, football 
football is a different beast, right? Because there's a hundred guys out there, right? And, and they're going to be clicks and everything like that. I think gymnastics, it's so much more where you're competing against one another to make each other better. But at the same time, when it times comes time to compete against other teams, like everybody's on board with one another trying to do their best. Yeah, that's, that's a conversation I remember having with Liz Abel years ago. Uh, I, I, probably like one of the first couple of years that I actually started covering the gymnastics team and, and was just trying to get a feel for, because I would be so into football and then all of a sudden I'd switch to this other dynamic. And I, I've always been used to football. I've always been used to being around men and how that dynamic works. Even in high school, I never was around like a strong group or like click of girls. And so it was just, in a lot of ways, it's very similar because they have, I think, a very like similar killer mentality to, to the football team, especially now in, in recent history, you know, with what Ur- Urban and Wit have kind of brought to the table. But at this, it's, it's different. There's different little undertones as well. And it's very interesting to kind of pick up on that. Uh, but I, I, you are right. This team actually for the last two seasons has been very young and they're, they're going to kind of be very young next year too, just because of how all the, the labeling is going to work out because of COVID and, and whatnot. But, you know, you do have some senior leadership with like Sydney Soloski and Alexia Birch, and they're both going to be back next year. And actually even technically Emily LeBlanc is going to be back as well. She's just going to be a team manager next year. But I mean that, that knowledge and that maturity is still going to be around and within the program. And that's a very good thing for them. And then on the other hand, you know, you have some young girls that I think have really stepped up to the plate. Your crystal Isas. um, of course, Miley O'Keefe, like those girls really grew leaps and bounds. And, you know, I think they've taken on a strong leadership role as well. I think we watched Jaden Rutker really evolve and, and become a stronger competitor and a stronger leader as the season went on. And then, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, who else maybe steps up and matures a little bit. And then, you know, you also have to take into account as well, they're expecting Michaela Skinner to be back in some capacity. And, you know, that's going to be huge for, for that team in 2022. I mean, they're really, really, really probably going to compete because of how experienced everyone as a whole is going to be, even though the labeling is going to make them appear a lot younger than they maybe are. We're going to come back with more with Michelle Bodkin, but if you're listening to this interview and thinking to yourself, man, this gymnastics team sounds like it's something that would be worth investing in, there's no better place to go and get your action than betonline.ag. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track the action at Bet Online. There's tons of sports action on the go this week as the NFL Draft is in full swing. There are plenty of prop bets available. Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. You can get all your news, odds, and info for everything that you might follow in sports, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC MMA action at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch starts, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. 
Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. It's super easy. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. That's all one word, Locked On at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, and then the the eligibility freeze is going to be a really. We've talked about it a ton with football and just the number of scholarships it's going to add. I think with some of the smaller programs like gymnastics and basketball, uh, especially I think more women's basketball probably than men's because there's so much that goes on with the transfer portal in men's basketball. It's going to be fascinating to see how that works out and you know where where whether or not athletes decide to stay on and continue competing and how the university handles that is. And I don't think there's a lot of clarity on it right now, specifically because there's just not a lot of clarity coming from the NCAA and with the revenue, you know, debt or, uh, uh, operation uh, the operating revenue being down for everybody. I, I think it'll be something that'll be really, really interesting to watch. Uh, you mentioned the return of Michaela Skinner. And if I'm not mistaken, she, the, the reason that she left the team was to go compete at the Olympics, correct? Yes, that's correct. And I mean, obviously that's been kind of pushed back and delayed. She should have been back for this season. The Olympics got delayed and you know, we'll see. We'll see if she makes the cut for the team. She's had some setbacks. She actually got hit hard by COVID, which again, just adds to how bizarre this whole thing has been because you just don't know how or why some people will be affected more than others if, if they happen to get this. And by all means, she is a very, very, very healthy robust human being, but it put her in the hospital. She had pneumonia. It set her training back. Uh, and you know, it's, it's so laughable, but for a gymnast, she's quote unquote old. She just turned 23 or 24, which is kind of unheard of. And so, you know, when she, when she comes back to Utah, assuming that she really does. And I mean, she has said that that is her intent. She plans on coming back. She's going to, she's going to be old <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I, if, if she makes it to the Olympics, you know, I, I, that's a lot of pounding on a body. I, I mean, whether you're old or young by, by the sports standards, that's a lot of, a lot of intense training to take on. But the other end of it is if anyone can do it, she can. She's she's proven that she is one tough cookie. She competes at a high level. She she's she's easily probably the best athlete I've ever seen in person, maybe besides like Marcus Mariota, like like just on that level. Just crazy, crazy, crazy amazing. She just doesn't get near the credit. Yeah. And and I think she's, she's a really unique uh, individual because I think I say individual, like a unique scenario situation would be more because she kind of comes to Utah, having a brand already being pretty well known, uh, especially within the gymnastics community. Like you may know, like a lot of the gymnasts that competed at the Olympics are young, like 16, 18, 
that age range and and she comes to utah now she's gonna go give it another shot in japan and fingers crossed that it works out for her but um coming into a program like utah that where they really haven't had a star like that i think it was probably uh probably hard for her to deal with the i don't want to say disrespect but the lack of recognition that she probably deserved for for what she really was doing as a competitor I, I think it was hard for her. And, and I think she was disrespected in a lot of ways, you know, whether, whether you want to call her, you know, an alternate for the Olympic team or whether, whether you want to give her the full credit, like she made the Olympic team. Yes. She maybe did not actually physically compete, but she was there and she was ready to go if her name was called, which is, I mean, when you compete, that's, that's kind of where you're at, whether you're the backup or you're, you're the starter, you, you compete and you prepare the same way as if, you know, none of those titles exist because you just don't know. And so going to Utah and, and having been on the same Olympic team as some of the other girls, you know, the UCLA girls, especially the, uh, oh gosh, now I'm going to like lose their names. I can see all their faces, the Madison Koshins and, uh, you know, some of those girls not getting the same level of respect competed for the, the USA, like sting that had to sting that she wasn't getting the same scores. She, you know, she wasn't getting the same love and adoration, like, but she was, on, honestly, she was competing much harder routines than any of those girls were. It's just she didn't have near the flash and she wasn't getting near the press. Mm -hmm. Has to sting a spirit competitor, and she's definitely a competitor. I that she wants to win, she's out for blood. So, <laughs> she, yeah, and I think that's going to be the exciting part about you know what she brings to this team. Um, that competitive instinct. And, and I don't necessarily think that that was missing from this year's squad, but it, it does, like oh. you mentioned, there really wasn't a, an alpha, I guess, from this year's team, in my opinion, and, and maybe I'm way off base. I, I think Miley O'Keefe was probably the closest to that. Right. I would say either Miley or Sydney. The tough part with Sydney is that she competes one event and she's, damn good at that event. Like there, there's nobody better. And in a lot of ways, I think Sydney understands Michaela's pain and suffering because Sydney is so good on that floor routine and she keeps getting low balled on her scores. And so, you know, yes. Okay. You only compete one event, but she's so elite at that event and to not get the same consideration as some of the other girls that compete has to be hard. And, and I could, you can tell that it eats at her. You know, I think Miley gets a little more respect than any of the other two. And hopefully that continues, continues on. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I think Miley's still a little bit in the younger, younger end of it. I don't think she quite has the killer instinct that say Sydney or Michaela has, uh, but you can, you can see it developing. That's the thing is she took a very big leap from her freshman year to her sophomore year. And I expect her to be even more in the zone 
come next year. Like, I, I think she's going to be a very, very, very big leader for that Utah squad next year. And that's, as we look forward a little bit, obviously the third place finish to some, maybe outsiders who expect the, the Utes to win a national championship because it has been a while. I think the third place finish was really actually more impressive maybe than, um, maybe than it appeared from, from the outside perspective. But uh, as this team transitions forward, what, what are the strengths of this squad and what do you see needing to be developed as they move into the next, next year? You know what? I, they are so good on beam. And I remember when I first started covering this team, it was like, you, you would like cover your face and like peek through your fingers when it was time for, for the team to go on beam. It, it was a bit of a crapshoot, you know, early, early on when I was covering, covering the team and they starting last year, they have just been absolutely lights out on that event. They have scored some incredibly insane score, like team scores, like a four, nine, seven is ridiculous for a single event, let alone beam, which is arguably probably the hardest event to compete on that. That, that is crazy. So they've got that in the bag. Like they are a very strong beam team. I would say they're also very, very strong on floor. Uh, that's probably their next best event. Then you have bars and vault, which have been weaker. And I've tried to explain how, how I view scoring for these events in, in football terms, because I think that's mostly what I have following me is football fans that also happen to tune into gymnastics because they're also a very dominant sport at the university of Utah, but they maybe aren't as familiar with it. And so, you know, you look at a good floor set is, is like a good defense. It's going to win you or sorry, excuse me. No floor is like your offense. Uh, it's going to win you games. You're, if you can wow the crowd, get big scores, get people into it you know, that, that wins you individual meets. It's like offense in football. You, if you're elite on beam, you're, you're looking at, that's like having a really good defense An elite beam team wins championships, just like an elite defense in football wins championships. And then you have, you know, your kind of smaller, easier events, so to speak, your bars and, and your vault. And that's like field goals and, uh, points out and kicking points after a touchdown, you know, they're, they're smaller events, they're littler points, but they add up. And so if you're elite at that and you can make sure that you don't miss out on, you know, easy points, so to speak, you're unstoppable. And that's where Utah stumbled a little bit. They improved at the end of this season on bars. I think bars got to an, an acceptable place come postseason but they they need to put some work in on vault if if they want to make that next step. So so the, I think that's where the work kind of comes in for them for 2022. Yeah, vault was definitely the the aspect of of the final competition that kind of didn't go the way that they were hoping I think in order to to place higher, but it's the beam this year has just been outstanding. The scores that they put up there were super impressive. I believe a couple perfect scores, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, I know. I remember for sure that Miley got a, 
a 10. I don't remember. I don't think Abby got, got a 10 this year. That was last year, but Miley got definitely got a 10 this year. And so, I mean, you know, that goes a long way. And again, it's such a subjective sport. There were probably a couple of times that some of those girls could have been given a 10 and, and they weren't, you know, it ended up being like a nine, seven, nine, nine, seven, five, but you know, that that's just the nature of that sport. But as, as far as, you know, they're very solid. It's very rare that they fall this particular team and they're not losing any beam team or any beam routines this, this year. So everybody's going to be back again. They're potentially adding Michaela. I don't know where she maybe fits into that lineup. You know, we'll see, but, but they're going to be very strong and very deep on that event. We'll get right back to more of our conversation with Michelle Bodkin after this. But if you're looking for a perfect 10 in an online experience, there's no better place to go than rockauto.com. You've heard me talk about it. Be a do-it-yourselfer, be a try-it-yourselfer with a company that's been in business for over 20 years online. You can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, body parts. Uh, We talked ad nauseum about seat covers And lo and behold, I needed one again as my lab puppy decided that he wanted to knock my entire 32-ounce cup of water all over the passenger seat to try and get an ice cube out of it. Uh, Not a a very encouraging... note for for his his intelligence although i will say this in terms of motor he has the highest of the high motors and darn if he didn't get that ice cube out of the cup but rockauto.com is going to have you taken care of like with me if i need ic covers if i need something to fix because maybe you two have had a puppy that's decided to chew on something in your car and you want to get it back to looking brand new. They have everything that you need. The catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands or specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. I don't know why you'd go anywhere else. I don't know why you'd spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you can just go order it from rockauto.com. Make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com wrapping things up here on the locked on youths podcast as you were able to catch the first part of my interview with michelle bodkin talked to a lot of gymnastics there wanted to have a quick rundown of what's happening currently in the university of utah realm there will be more with michelle to come i promise you she and i break down spring ball a lot there is a lot of interesting information in there and some discussion about what we think is going to happen in the fall where the teammate land a couple of position groups that people should be interested in so catch that at a later date in the meantime do have some actual updates of athletics happening at the university of utah the softball team swept idaho state in a doubleheader. that one taking place here in salt lake city won the first game 14 to 5 the second game 7 to 6 uh sydney said sandez gets the win in the in game two uh, and in game one, uh, bats bats not sick. Definitely there in game one. Uh, Coach Hogue, Amy Hogue, had this to say: We had a lot of offensive production today from some players in the bottom of the lineup and from players coming off the bench. They got the win for us today. 
Some key two-out RBIs and pinch hits were so necessary to win twice today. The defense was pretty solid as well today. We just need to be better in the circle, and the top of our lineup needs to lead us if we want to be a great team. We have a top team in the country coming in town, and we've got to clean things up in those areas if we want to have a chance to win this weekend. She was talking about UCLA. UCLA will be in town this weekend uh, at playing at Dumkey Family Stadium those games will be Friday, Saturday, and a, sorry, Friday, a doubleheader on Saturday, and then a game on Sunday. All of those will be available on the Utah live stream three on pac12.com as well if you want to watch there, or you can go to utahutes.com. So support the Lady Ping and Utes as they face off against a very, very talented number two ranked UCLA team this weekend after sweeping Idaho State. That's going to be it for today's episode. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Michelle Bodkin of YouTube.com. Again, there will be more of that conversation coming up at a later time. Thank you, as always, for following us, for tweeting at us, for interacting with us. We love you. We like you. And we wish the best to you. As always, stay well, be well, do well. This has been the Locked on Youth podcast. For Thursday, April 29th, 2021, and we're going to talk to you again tomorrow.